off, but I want to read verses 18 down to 24, and we're going to start in verse 19 today. And um, just, uh, I believe that this passage, I, I, my prayer is that this passage would help you as much as it's helped me. Uh, even pastors, and I want to go ahead and start there and, and kind of be open a little bit, pastors struggle with the same struggles that you struggle with, and I, I hope you know that, all right? There is no Christian, no matter how long they have known the Lord, that is immune to discouragement or doubts or anxieties or worries or the um, spiritual attacks and battles that we have in our mind and in our hearts, okay? And I want you to understand that we are all truly uh, equal in that sense to a degree that we really are struggling with the very similar things, maybe in different ways and circumstances and times. But nevertheless, we all not only have the same struggles, but we all have the same Savior who is able to deliver us, to give us strength, and to give us the assurance that we need and I believe that's exactly what he does here in this passage for us. Verse number 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have, have we confidence toward God and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son jesus christ and love one another as he gave us commandment and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us there's a tremendous amount of doctrinal things to address in this passage but there are just as many practical things that we're going to look at and see And I believe that the doctrinal things that are found in this passage, as we look at verse 19 this morning to start, the doctrinal is not just doctrinal, but the doctrinal is the practical of this passage. And we always are looking for the the quick, easy steps or the quick, practical things, right? We want the microwave version. We want the, let's go to YouTube and figure out how to do it in a matter of two minutes span, that, that whole thing. But here John gives us something that is very deep, yet incredibly practical that each one of us need, all right? If you're saved this morning, you need this passage. If you're lost this morning, you need this passage as well to know and to trust Christ and then to have assurance that you are in Him and shall remain so. And to see the blessings and the having this assured heart. Believe one of the worst things that believers struggle with, not just today, but throughout the centuries, has been assurance. Notice verse 19. Hereby we know. We know. This is not something that the Apostle John here says. Hereby we're hoping. Hereby we're trying real hard. Hereby we're going to do our best and see what happens. He says, hereby we know. There are some things that we must know in order to be saved. You must know that you are a sinner and in need of a Savior. You must know that Jesus, who is God in the flesh came to this world, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scripture to offer uh, eternal life and forgiveness of sins to all who would repent of their sins, to turn from their sins and to trust Him. You must know that and not just know it, but believe that in order to be saved. But when you are saved, your knowing and your believing does not stop. It has only just begun. The work in your mind uh, through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, has only just begun. And I believe that early on in our Christian lives, we have got to nail a few things down about who God is and who we are and through His Word, by the power of His Holy Spirit, that now as He says that He has given us, that indwells us, 
So that we can, like John here, say, we know. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Our hearts are wicked things. Our hearts are, are deceitful, and, and, and our hearts often lead us astray. There is, the, of course, the phrase that we hear in the world all the time, and we hear it, follow your heart, your heart right? How many of you have ever heard, heard follow your heart before? Right? The rest of you, you've heard it now, okay? Follow your heart. We hear this a lot. We hear it from fairy tales. We, we see all, almost every fairy tale, it sort of comes to this place of like, well, if they just follow their heart and all your wishes and dreams come true, well, baloney, right? When we follow our heart, our heart being uh, sinful and, and wicked and, and, and lustful and, and self-serving and self-pleasing, it, it leads to unsureness. It leads to a, a life without God. It, it, it doesn't put God in the picture. It, it leads to a place of, of the of total wrong direction. Following your heart goes to the direction that Jesus talked about that is what is called the broad way. The broad way where many go thereat leads to destruction, leads to death, it leads to a place of hell. And it is a way that everyone that is on that path is not following the heart of God, but rather is following the heart of themselves. But there is the narrow way. The narrow way are those who have understood that their heart cannot lead them to anywhere except for destruction, and they have then, in turn, had their heart cleansed, not by good works or religion, but their heart has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. And now they are placed on the narrow way, and they have assurance of that. Now John and his day, they are facing the same thing that we're facing today, and that is a wide range of heresies in the, in the church, uh, uh, surrounding the church, those outside of it. They are facing... Um, persecution and, and, and ridicule and, and the divisions within the body. And he's coming to this place to encourage them, to give them assurance, to give them confidence in the Lord. And that begins with having this assured heart. Here's one commentator writes here. He says, The link between this new paragraph and what has gone before seems to be the word truth. John has urged his readers the necessity of loving in truth, verse 18, and immediately goes on to indicate that this is how we may know that we belong to the truth. Verse 19. Truth can only characterize the behavior of those uh, whose very character originates in the truth. So that it is by our loving others in truth that we know that we ourselves belong to it. The same expression, to be ectes aletheus, occurs also in John 18.37. This paragraph begins in verse 19 and ends 24 with a sentence introduced by the words, this is how we know. Although in verse 19, the verb is future, uh, which in verse 24, it is present. And, and this is important here. And it says, it is concerned, as is the whole letter, with the doctrine of assurance. We don't just need to know how to be saved, but we need to know that when we are saved, we remain saved. We are in Him. That our position does not change. Though our heart fails, though doubts may come, though spiritual warfare takes place, though sin might come, that though, though we might stumble, though we might fall, though, though dark the path may seem, yet we remain in Christ. Jesus did not save you to then take away your salvation. Jesus did not save you so that then you could lose it. Because if you could lose it, that means you can earn it, and you can't earn it, therefore you can't lose it. This gives our heart assurance, though, knowing that, 
that when Jesus says it is finished on the cross, that it is finished. That therefore, there is nothing that you and I can do. There's no condemnation. There's no separation from the love of God. That we are now in Him. But notice the emphasis. Right? The, the, the truth here in this passage. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Truth matters. Doctrine matters. It is in those dark days of doubt or discouragement that we don't need the self-help practical things, but rather we need to return to the truth. What does God say? What does God say about my salvation? What does God say about my sin? Right? As a believer, when I feel those doubts and I feel those discouragements or, or even getting to the place of, of those depressing times in my life, I cannot look to myself for answers. I cannot look to others for answers. I must look to the cross and the finished work of Calvary. I must look to what Jesus has done. That it is full and final and complete. Jesus is the same one who talks so much about the truth and, and, and there, as He's facing judgment, gets asked, what is truth? He says that the truth shall set you free and, and the truth does set us free. One, the truth and faith in the truth of who God is and what He has done sets us free from our bondage and delivers us from darkness to light and our salvation, but as well the truth delivers us in our sanctification process and our daily walking with Christ. This is why every morning, uh, you must not wait until Sunday morning to get truth from God's Word. You must do so yourself. Right? I cannot be in your home or in your mind or in your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. That's what the Word of God is there for. That's what your Bible is for. We, we must return daily to the truth because it only takes about this long to forget the truth. It only takes about this long to, to maybe have the truth twisted or, or misapplied in our life or, or forgotten and left out. And now we're living based on our own truth. I want you to know, you have no own truth of your own. That man cannot produce his own truth. The only truth is God's truth. And God's truth has been given here that we may know and have assurance. Stott continues and he writes, he says, it is the mind's knowledge by which the heart's doubts may be silenced. I love that quote dealing with, with what this is because for those discouraged believers that he's dealing with, and the discouraged believers of our day, which perhaps over the past couple of years, we have seen more discouragement in believers than ever before. Right? We're talking about a place here that we are in our own church where outside this door and, and all over the church you find this same phrase that says victory way. Right? Y'all know that, right? You know where you're at, okay? I want you, this is Victory Way Baptist Church. Welcome, okay? If this, okay? Victory way. It does not say discouraged way, doubting way. Right? It, to be victorious, certainly when doubts come, and they will come, but how do we defeat the doubts? The truth. Right? This is seen. It, this is a spiritual warfare taking place. Um, over, I'll, I'll turn there for you because this isn't in your notes. This is free this morning, okay? You're welcome. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this. Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We talked about this, this sort of belt of truth. It is what binds and holds everything else together. What is going to hold you together, dear Christian, when the doubts come or when sin comes into your life is going to be the truth. And the truth remains the same from the very first time that God has ever spoken and revealed His Word to, to the last dying breath that you will ever take. 
God's truth remains truth. Now I want to look at the difference here this morning (coughs) of those who have assurance and then those that are in the world today. In the world today, we find the works of religion or the Antichrist doctrines that John is addressing and dealing with and and warding off and, and encouraging the believers through. The way that their mind works, the way that their whole life works, spiritually speaking, is the outward to the inward. They get their hands moving or doing things, doing good works, so that way their heart is then convinced that they're doing something right before God, so that then their mind is put at rest. If there's anything that our world is looking for today, it's peace, isn't it? Right? You think about this, if you watch a beauty pageant or Miss America or Miss Universe or whatever, what do they all say with the question, right? If you could do one thing, if you could have one wish, what would it be? And they all say, world peace. And they, they pause and they pose and, and everyone says, oh, that's so nice, right? And they clap, world peace, it's great. Everyone is not just looking for world peace, they're looking for peace of their own heart. But there is no peace in your heart and there will be no peace in your heart without the truth of Christ. You can do all the works that your hands can possibly do. You can give all of your money, all your goods to the poor. You can open up a a soup kitchen. You can give out clothes. You can do all these great things and still not have peace. There's many, a person in this world, who has lived a life of many good works and has died yet in their sin and has talked and their last breaths and final days, final hours and minutes with their words to say things such as how they have no peace and they don't know what's to come. How sad this is, but it's because they work from the outside in, but Christ, He does His work from the inside out, which is why it is truthful, which is why it is a sure thing. The works of assurance, or the knowledge of assurance in Christ, is the head, the heart, then the hands. Where will Satan attack you first? It won't be with your hands. It won't be the outward things. When Satan attacks, he attacks first and foremost your mind. And we're, and we're studying this in, in the book of Genesis, and, and you can see this uh, this Wednesday as we're looking at Genesis 3 with sin. The first thing he does is he wants you to doubt God's Word in your mind. A seed of doubt in the mind becomes a tree of unbelief in the heart. And it grows and grows until now your whole body is consumed. And now the life that you used to have, which was a victorious way of living, is now a place where you live in fear. You live in the shadows. You live in doubt and discouragement and unbelief. And you feel as if you can't go on. But I want you to know, you can't in your strength, but through looking at the truth of God, you now have assurance and can have an assured heart. Assurance for a believer is not something that we cannot attain, but rather something that we are promised and that we are told that we should have. Not just could have, but should have. It begins with the mind and then the heart. The inward to the outward. Look at the difference of how those work. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. As Barclay writes, into every human heart there are bound to come doubts. Amen to that. He says, but it is natural for people with any sensitivity of mind or heart to wonder at times if they really are Christians. John's test is quite simple and far-reaching. It is love. If we feel love for our neighbors welling up within our hearts, we can be sure that the heart of Christ is in us. 
John would have said that a so-called heretic whose heart was overflowing with love and whose life had an attractive quality in the service of others was far nearer Christ than someone who is impeccably orthodox yet cold and remote from the needs of others. Right? This goes back to what Jesus talked about in this sort of parable of, of two men who go up to pray. The one is a Pharisee and he's got showing forth his long and beautiful and eloquent prayers and his hands are, are lifted and listen to what I have to say. And the Pharisee says, oh, thank you, Lord, that I am not like this sinner over here. And, and the public and the, the sinner over here instead doesn't even look up, beats his, his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, which one do you think is actually justified, right? Which one walks away righteous? Not this one. Not the self-righteous one, but rather the one who has been humbled by God and, and has sought the Lord through faith and, and repentance. You can have all the answers, and you might be able to know all the truth, but if the truth has not affected your heart to where there is a love for God and the people of God, you must go back again. There are plenty of, of people that I, that I know many churches, probably the, the average person who would call themselves a believer is in this camp that is considered to be so orthodox and orderly on the outside, but yet their heart truly has never surrendered to Christ. This is why they struggle with assurance. Many a Baptist, as well-intentioned as they can be, lack assurance and go through the motions over and over and over again. And every time they sin, they think, oh, well, because I sin, I must not have this whole thing right. i got to go back to the very beginning, right? It's like playing shoots and ladders or candy land, and you get the wrong car, the wrong role, and then boom, you got to go all the way back to the beginning. It's not the case, right? Jesus doesn't go, oh, you messed up. Go back to the beginning. Go get saved again. Go do the whole process again. That's not what he says. He says, get assurance, and assurance is found not in what we have done, but in the truth of what Christ has done. We can know, and we must know. The assurance from God here. He says in verse 19, and shall assure our hearts before Him. You see, without Jesus and before we are truly saved, if we were to stand before God, we have nothing that we can say. We have nothing that we can offer. We have nothing that we can do. We have no answer. Right? We've got a, a, a track out there. Uh, so, you know, it says to, to the effect, if you died today, do you know that you would go to heaven? Now, the answer should be yes. But then the following of why should never be because I... If it begins and the next step begins with because I, then you don't have. Right? See the difference here? If it's because I, then I don't have it. But if it's because Jesus, then th there, there we go. Right now we're, now we're talking here. It can never be because I, it's because Christ. Because of what Jesus has done. As Sorensen writes here in his commentary, the word translated as assure, or pytho, can also have the sense to have confidence. That likely is the thought here. In loving the brethren uh, to the degree that we actually assist them in their need, we thus can have confidence in our hearts before God. I, I often ask those who are struggling with assurance a couple of simple questions, right? And, and this isn't some sort of cure-all, but, but it is this, right? And this is not original to me either. This is someone else who is far smarter than I am, but this is something that I've heard and I really thought that this really kind of helps to nail this down. Someone who's struggling with assurance, and I've had plenty who have come and, they struggle with that, and I say, well, let me ask you. 
do you love God with all of your heart and completely and perfectly? And the answer is always, no, not perfectly. And then I go, do you want to? And I say, well, yes. And we ask, but do you have even an ounce of love for God in His Word? And they normally say, yes, but not like I wish I did. Now, there's assurance there. And if we hear it, there's assurance in understanding this. If we have an ounce of love for God, His Word, and His people, it is because He resides in us. We don't know, or nor do we have a love of God, unless we know God. We will never love God. And, and this is why John goes in the next, very next chapter to talk about this, to talk about love. We love Him not because we naturally do, but rather because He has loved us. And because He has loved us and demonstrated His love towards us, uh, that Christ would die for us while we were yet sinners. That's how He demonstrates and shows us His love. Then we then can love Him by faithful obedience. And our love for God then translates to love for other people and specifically for the household of God. And we should love and sacrifice for one another. And then another way to even help with those who are struggling with the church is, let me ask you, do you love the church? Do you love the people of God? Do you love? If you have any bit of love in you, then there is this assurance and possibility for assurance. Because outside of Christ, we don't know what real love looks like. We don't know what real love is because we have not experienced it. Real love is found at the foot of of the cross that has uh, the, been the place for, from, uh, for, from that very moment that Christ dies and, and, and satisfies the wrath of God against us to be the place where we can go and experience love it, to uh, uh, not just experience love but to then be loved and to know that we're loved so that then we in turn can then love God to love His people. There's assurance in this. Here, uh, I want to turn for just a moment over to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. You see, the word assure our hearts here as he's talking about it, it is to have confidence in. Confidence is as well another way that is talked about with, with simple faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now when he says faith is a substance of things hoped for, he's not saying that this is a hopeful faith of going, well, I hope I got it right, or I hope God lets me in. But rather, the word hope here is the same that we're dealing with, the idea of confidence. There is a confidence and a trust. We don't have a blind faith. Rather, we have a confidence.